Well, good morning, Gospel City Church. Turn your Bibles to Exodus chapter 12. I pray that you all had a Christ-exalting Christmas this year. If you're anything like my baby girl Jade, you're a little sad that Christmas is over. Jade asked her mother and I on Christmas Day, she said, is, is tomorrow Christmas too? And we said, no, nah, honey, it's, it's just today. And she's like, I'm sad. I'm sad Christmas isn't tomorrow too. Some of you all are in that camp. Yes, it's a great time with family and friends and baking and eating cookies, more so eating cookies than baking them. And be a little sad that Christmas is over. Other folks in this room, other folks are, are happy that Christmas is over. Christmas is one of those holidays, it, it, it has the unique ability to, to reach down into the recesses of the heart and bring out loneliness and a feeling of loss that hasn't been felt all year long. Some of those folk, you folks are glad that Christmas is over so you can get back to the status quo. If that is you, let me remind you that Christ sees you and he knows. Exodus chapter 12. If you are able, would you please stand for the reading of God's word? The word of the Lord says, the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, in the land of Egypt, this month shall be for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. You may be seated. Some of y'all thinking, wow, just two verses. Well, let, let me assure you that the length of the text is in no way indicative of the length of my sermon. I have been charged to preach from now until 2020, and I'm going to do just that. <laughs> Historians believe it was the ancient Babylonians some 4,000 years ago who were the first folks to begin to create New Year's resolutions. So for 4,000 years, folks, people have been failing at their New Year's resolutions. So if you're one of those folks who create resolutions and you just know you're going to fail already, don't, don't worry. We, we come from a long line of failures. 4,000 years ago, people were creating New Year's resolutions. Then. About 47 years before the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ, a man by the name of Julius Caesar in Rome sort of switched the calendar on his folks and made January 1st the beginning of the year. January, if you don't know, was named after the Roman god Janus. She was known to have two faces. One face looked forward and one face looked back. So it was symbolic for the Romans to have this, this goddess on January 1st because that's exactly what they did. And, and oftentimes that's exactly what we do. We sort of look back to the year prior, analyze it, and then we look ahead to the year that is 
forthcoming. In 1740, the famous preacher by the name of John Wesley invented what we call covenant renewal services. Many of you have grew up in a tradition where they're called watch night services. I've been to a couple of those watch night services. I think as a child, I maybe made it through one of them. They're always on New Year's Eve and the people of God get together, they pray together, they sing together, and they make Christian New Year's resolutions. I guess it makes people feel better when they put Christian in front of resolution just in case they fail. They can say, well, we did it in the name of Christ. We can span centuries. We can span cultures. We can span religions. We can span ethnicities. And there is something in us that wants a fresh start. There's something in us that wants to begin again. There's something in us that wants to sort of hit the reset button. New Year's resolutions are, are one of those things, one of those glimpses, one of those peaks into what God has been trying to tell us since the beginning, that you and I are not perfect people. Newsflash. Get this. We, we create. We, we have the ability every January 1st or end of December to create our own law for ourselves. We get to create many laws. We call them resolutions. And the funny part about all of that, even though we create these minimalist laws for ourselves, we can't even keep the own law that we created. We fail time and time again. So I'm going to do just that. I'm going to create a New Year's resolution. On that list is probably going to be lose a few pounds exercise every day and twice on Sunday, <laughs> watch only five hours of Disney Plus a week as opposed to 80 hours I've been watching this Christmas break. Some of y'all laugh because y'all doing exactly that. <laughs> but ultimately, I find myself, come January 2nd, <laughs> failing at the majority of that list. We create laws for ourselves and then we break them. So, how do we think that in our own strength and capabilities, we can approach the holy, glorious law of God and keep it in our own strength? New Year's resolutions are sort of a peek and a glimpse into what God has been trying to tell us since the beginning. We need outside help. We cannot do this on our own. So as we approach the new year, as we approach 2020, we have to understand and hopefully our text will remind us over and over again this morning that our biggest need is not a resolution. Our biggest need is redemption. Our biggest need is not to strengthen our heart on the elliptical. Our biggest need is that we need a new heart. Biggest need is not that we may lose 20 pounds. Yeah, I, I do need to lose about 20 pounds. Our biggest need is that we need to lose our old selves and keep putting on our new selves. We need redemption to be our theme as we enter into 2020. And we have precedent. We have precedent right here in Exodus chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. 
We have precedent that redemption has that ability. Redemption changes the calendar. And the way it goes about doing that, the way redemption changes the calendar is that redemption changes the way we view our present. Look at Exodus 12, verses 1 and 2. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt. Let's not move too quickly past those first three words. The Lord said. Those first three words tell us, brothers and sisters, that God speaks to us. You might say by way of affirmation, yes, Stephen, we know God speaks. He spoke and things popped out of nothing. He made all of creation. And so we get by way of affirmation the first part of the sentence. But the second part of the sentence, that short two-letter word, us, God speaks to us to bring a sense of awe and amazement that the king of the universe would talk would communicate to us. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, do you think that Aaron and Moses ever got tired of God talking to them? Right, like Aaron said to Moses one day, Moses, is that God again? What does he want this time? And then Moses replied to Aaron, I don't know, it's the same old boring stuff, how he loves us and wants to redeem us and wants to make us part of his family. And then Aaron says to Moses, why don't you just send them straight to voicemail? Then Moses says, that technology hasn't been invented for about 4,000 years. Do we get tired of God speaking to us? Perhaps the way in which God decided to speak to us through his word isn't miraculous enough. Perhaps if we had the burning bush, oh, that would help us in our Christianity. Or maybe if we saw the parting of the Red Sea, oh, that would help us in our Christianity. Or maybe if we were like Peter and saw Jesus Christ transfigured before our very eyes on that mountain, that would help us in our Christianity. But Peter speaks to us and his words echo out throughout the corridors of time. And Peter asks us this pointed question. Don't you know how good you have it? Look at what Peter says in 2 Peter. He says, for we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we were witnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father and the voice was born to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven for we were with him on the holy mountain. We're like, yes, Peter, if we were there with you, Peter is describing the transfiguration of Jesus Christ when they saw a glimpse of Jesus Christ in all of his glory and splendor. We're like, yeah, Peter, if we were there and heard God speak in that fashion, that would help us. Peter goes on. Modern day translation, 
Don't you know how good you got it? Notice what Peter goes on to say. And we have, he's wrapping his arms around us here at Gospel City. We have the prophetic word more fully confirmed to which you will do well to pay attention as a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in our very hearts. Peter's like, listen, we saw Christ transfigured but you, Gospel City, you get access to the full word of God whenever you want to. God speaks to you whenever you open up his text. Peter's like, yeah, we saw that, but you got something more sure. You have the entirety of the word of God. You can wake up on Monday, turn your Bibles, hear God speak to you. If paper version doesn't do, you can pick up your phone, pick up your tablet, go on your computer, and you can hear God speak to you. Have we grown tired of God speaking to us? Have we sort of muted him or sent him to voicemail? The miraculous thing about redemption changing the calendar is that it changes our view of the present. And the way it changes our view of the present is because another, greater, larger, eternal voice is able to speak into our current situation. And that is the voice of God. That's awesome. What's even more doubly awesome is the reach how far God's word is able to reach to speak to us. In that redemption, in redemption, God speaks to us and he speaks to us in bondage. You see that in Exodus 12 verses 1 and 2? The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, in the land of of Egypt. That's awesome. Here you have God's people in captivity. They're in bondage. They've been in bondage for 430 years. They're under the rule of one of the most powerful men who has ever lived, a man who hates God, hates his people, hates the law of God. And yet, in that very situation, God is able to get a word in. Oh, saints, there's no situation. There's no struggle. There's no bondage. There's no temptation. There's no heartbreak. There's no trial or tribulation that God is not able to maneuver and contort his word to reach us in the depths of our hearts. Praise God for that. What wall, what boundary, what border can stop God from speaking when he desires to speak? This is what Paul writes about when he says in 2 Timothy. Paul says, I I'm suffering. I'm in chains. But hallelujah, the word of God is never in chains. The word of God is never in bondage. We may be in the depths of despair and the reach of God is able to reach us in that very position. Let me introduce you to a friend of mine. 
Name is Hen Pham. Not a friend of mine. I wish I knew this brother in real life. I wish I knew him. Hen Pham sort of rose to popularity. He was a translator for Ravi Zacharias over in Vietnam. And he would translate the word of God being preached to the American troops as they were over there. And after Vietnam fell, around 1975, the government put Hen Pham into prison. They thought he was helping the Americans in the way he was not helping them. So they put him in bondage. They stripped everything from Hen Pham. Took his Bible, his English translation, took his clothing, took his freedom, Every day, they poured propaganda into his mind. Christ is not God. God is not Lord. You believe in what we believe in, all the false gods. And to a point that one dark night of the soul, Hen Pham cried out from his prison cell, I no longer believe in Jesus Christ. What is Christ doing for me in my captivity? I don't believe in him anymore. That very day, his captors came to him and said, Hen, we're going going to change your duties for the day. You're now responsible for cleaning out the latrines. Latrine is just a fancy, clean word of saying toilets. That's your job. You're going to take the mess from one toilet and place it in the garbage. While he was there cleaning out the latrines, he noticed a scrap of paper that had English writing on it. So he took that fecal-covered piece of paper, put it in his clothing, went back to his prison cell, cleaned it off, and what he discovered there was Romans 8.28. For I know God is able to work all things together for the good for those who are called according to his purpose. And in his prison cell, he wept and said, Lord, you are able to speak to me even in the middle of the bathroom. He came to find out that the prison guards were using the English translation of the scriptures as toilet paper. Imagine that. So he goes to his captors and he volunteers to clean the latrine every single day just so he can take that fecal covered piece of scripture and have the word wash over him. Folks, have we grown tired of God speaking to us? He is able to maneuver and contort and get a word in edgewise in any situation that we find ourselves in. He's able to do that. I know a man who has a child. His parents never let him go to church. They hated Christianity. Didn't want him to read the Bible, talk about the Bible, but they did let him watch TV. And one day he was watching TV and a commercial came on that proclaimed the good news of Jesus Christ in a commercial, in a 30-second spot, and that young man surrendered his life to Jesus Christ. I know a woman who lived in an abusive situation, mentally, physically, and verbally. Husband rarely let her out the house. One day the husband left At that exact moment, a group of faithful Christians were going door to door sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. They come to her door, proclaim the glories of Jesus Christ, and she surrenders her life to their Savior. 
Five years later, her husband does the exact same thing. Listen, God is able to reach his people whenever he wants to reach them. Hallelujah. How many of us have experienced that in 2019? Maybe we're going through a season, a dark night of the soul, and then out of nowhere through a random person, a random text, a random email, a random sermon, the Lord hits you square in the face just to remind you that he has not forgotten about you. He's able to maneuver and contort and get his word to his people. That changes our view of the present because God is speaking. Not only that, but when God speaks in redemption, he somehow has the ability to change our view of the past. Notice what it says there in Exodus 12, verse 1 and 2. Lord said to Moses, Lord speaking, that's awesome. In bondage, in the land of Egypt, that's even greater. This month shall be for you the beginning of months. This month shall be. This was the line of demarcation. Prior to Exodus 12, verses 1 and 2, the children of Israel in their captivity followed the Egyptian calendar. Every day they would wake up in bondage. Go to sleep in bondage. A month would turn. They would still be in bondage. New days brought new duress. New months brought new melancholy. New years brought new yokes of slavery. They were in captivity for 430 years. Then God spoke. And he changed everything. Even their calendar now, as they look at their Outlook calendar or look at their Google calendar, they see that it's no longer marked by what they were, that is slavery. It is now marked by redemption. God changed the beginning of years for them, and it's now marked by the rescuing power of their Savior. It's amazing. Even their calendar. Now they can look back over their chains, which at one point meant hopelessness. They can now look back. And it now means the strong right arm of God is able to rescue. Children of Israel are not, after Exodus 12, going to whitewash their past. But brothers and sisters, their past is going to be washed. You and I experience the same thing. In that situation in life that once brought us so much guilt and shame, we can now look back and rejoice because it was in that situation that God was doing a mighty work. We're not glorifying our past. We're glorying in the God who was able to change our view of the past in that in whatever situation, God is able to speak to us. May we view 2019 like that. May we put on the lenses of God's providence. What do I mean by the lenses of God's providence? Oftentimes we need to look at situations that have passed under the providential hand of God and not in our own viewing. Say, Stephen, well, 2019, I sinned a lot. Yes, brother and sister, I did too. But once we slide on the lenses of God's providence, 
we see that all of our sin is covered under the blood of Jesus Christ. You say, Stephen, well, in 2019, man, I had a whole lot of defeats. Amen, yeah, I did too. But as we slide on the lenses of God's providence, we realize that there was one who was not defeated in 2019. That is Jesus Christ. And in him, we are more than conquerors through Christ who saved us. So we can walk into 2020 victorious because our Savior is victorious. Some people say, Stephen, well, 2019 was the worst year of my life for me. It's in that moment. You need to slide on the lenses of God's providence and say the fact that you are even here, December 29th, is a testimony to the keeping and preserving power of our God. It changes. His redemption changes how we view our past. Not only that, but sort of as God wraps his hands around all of time because he controls time, it changes how we view our future as well. Now, according to verse 2, now according to verse 2, their lives will no longer be marked by what they were. It will be marked by the redemption of God. Even their calendar will reflect the goodness and kindness and saving power of God. This month shall be for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. Out with the old calendar, in with the new calendar. God is the best. He is the best at creating something new out of the old. He created a new people out of Abraham. He created a new calendar out of bondage. He created a new heart where there was a heart of stone. He created a new people when we were all rebels. Looking ahead, he will create a new heavens and a new earth. God is the best at creating something new out of the old. And once we view that, we have no choice but to ask the question, what can't God do? I wish I had the faith of my kids as they sing that song. My God is so big, so strong, and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do. Do we think that? Exodus 12 is like, yeah, he... He has that ability. Redemption has the ability to show you his endless, changeless grace and mercy. So I don't want you going into 2020 hitting the reset button. You know, reset sort of like it, it gives the implication of erasing everything that has come before. Clean slate, starting from scratch. I don't want you to do that. Because if you erase everything that happened in 2019, you might miss the opportunity of, of observing how God is able even to take our mess and create something beautiful out of it. Folks, God is the best at growing roses out of manure. He's been doing it since the beginning. He's able to take what we have utterly destroyed and creating something beautiful out of it. That's what redemption can do. Let's fast forward just a little bit. Because here in Exodus 
chapter 12, it's not the only time that redemption changes the calendar. We see that here as God comes in and says, this month will be the beginning of months for you. It's going to be the start of your year. It's not the only time God does it. As we read scripture, we see this sort of rhythm throughout scripture called Sabbath rest. And it started over in Genesis when God worked and then he rested on the seventh day. So out of that, throughout the whole Old Testament, we have this pattern of we work six days and then we rest the seventh. We work six days, we rest the seventh. We work, 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 then we rest. Work, then rest. That's our pattern throughout the Old Testament. But that pattern, brothers and sisters, is connected to the law of God. And in the law of God, we realize in the Old Testament that no man is able to complete the law of God. We can't do it. So as we're working, 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 it's connected to the law of God. And we're seeing that if we try in our own ability to work ourselves into the rest, we will never enter God's rest. That's the law. You can work and you can work again. But you're going to cry out on the last day. Lord, I've never entered your rest. But then one day. Christ stepped on the scene, and and he came and he did something you and I were not able to do. He was able to fulfill the entirety of the law. He, He died in our place, and then, brothers and sisters, Jesus Christ got up from the grave. And you know what day he got up from the grave on? He got up from the grave on the first day. And then all of a sudden, all the writers of scriptures start talking about the Sabbath rest and the Lord's day, not being on the seventh day, but being on the first day of the week. This is why Christians worship on Sunday, the first day of the week, because we realize as we worship that we have to enter rest first and then work. We need the completed work of Jesus Christ to wash over us and give us rest. And once he does that, then we can work for him. Christ changed the calendar. It's no longer work, 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 rest. It is now rest and then work for him. He helps us to realize that In this rest, he gives us something that we're not able to get on our own. Redemption, it changes it. So I know, I know what you're going to do. You're going to create a New Year's resolution list anyway. That's okay. Me too. I've created my list of New Year's resolutions. On that list is a bunch of things that I'm either going to succeed in or fail in. But here's what I want you to do as you create your list of New Year's resolutions. I want you to write at the top of that list in in bold, brilliant, magnificent colors. I want you to write this. Redeemed of God. Because here's what happens when you keep going back to that header. You know that when you fail, and you inevitably will, like I inevitably will, we know that there's someone who has never failed. And when you succeed and you have at the header, 
redeemed of God, and you succeed in that list, you will realize that even at your best, even in your most glorious successes, you can never accomplish what the blood of Jesus Christ accomplished on your behalf. So create the list. Don't be a slave to the list. Why? Because our theme going into 2020, our theme is not a resolution. Our theme is the redeeming love of God. So let's march into next year, not clinging to a law that we've created, but clinging to a Savior who has completed the entirety of the law. Redemption, brothers and sisters, is our theme.